0: This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community.
1: And welcome. You are very welcome here today. I know the sun is shining, so I hope you are able to see it if you can feel it for the next 60 minutes. We are looking at a topic that from playground to podium is so interesting, it's popular, it comes up in all different corners, be it social media or your own personal experience. And for the next 60 minutes, we're gonna try and dive into that and unpick some experiences, get some practical examples to leave you with today. So if you are a returning guest, great choice, (laughs) great choice and thank you. Um, If you are new today to um, the Curious Coaches Club, no problem at all. A whistle stop tour. We have a 60 minute session today with some um, subject matter experts. We do a first and a second half with your questions from the chat box right in the middle at half time and at the end. And then later in the week, we have sessions, communities of practice, as we call them, so people can digest that information that's resonated from today's session. From today and actually I think it started already on the UK coaching website we have a connected coaches space so lots of opportunity for you to take in all the information today ask questions and, um, and have some support in digesting that so without further ado um, I will introduce our two guests today in this coach parent and athlete relationship um, section there is Uh, I would say first and foremost a passion that you will feel oozing from Richard and from Gordon as they speak on this topic and then I will say loads of expertise, loads of insight so do have your questions coming through the chat box. Um, They have an extensive amount of experience and I'm sure they'll top up with the the stuff I leave out over 20 years and as I mentioned earlier the playground to podium isn't just in one pocket. They have insight into the school space, what those uh, relationships look like into sporting organisations, um, NGBs, clubs, situations, and then real life experiences from their own journey. So uh, a big hello to you, Richard, and a big hello to you, Gordon. Welcome and thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you, good afternoon. Yeah, Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for giving up your time. Um, I think, you know, one of the interesting things, I don't have children at the moment, but what I have been, fortunately or unfortunately, is the recipient of a sporting dad. So uh, the game tapes, post game, I knew my game and everyone's game better than they knew it themselves. Um, we had the competitive, all uh, rebound for you, Jen, in the sport of basketball, but you've missed excellent of shots. Um, and then, you, you know, as my sisters and I laugh about now, but probably didn't laugh at the time, the sporting dinner chats, everything deviated slowly from the basketball court into our dinner and house life. So if I could, if we get the ball rolling this morning or this afternoon rather, if, how important, to you gordon first if you don't mind how important is that parent coach relationship
0: yeah i think it's huge if if we are looking at what's in the best interests of children and and wanting them to achieve the the best they possibly can i think the sort of consistency of messages and and people working together you know is really really important i think lots of time we we talk about the you know athletic triangle which we see lots of and I've started using, I guess, the three-legged stool as, a, as an analogy that, you know, without one of those sort of key people working well together, whether that be parent, coach or the, or the child, then actually any foundations for any progress are going to be pretty ropey.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and Richard, if you're in that position as a coach then, like what, from your insight over the years, how do you approach it as a coach, that relationship with the parents?
2: Well, um, and that's a massive question, Jenny. And I um, (laughs) think... Thanks for giving me one. For me, me it's like any other relationship. And and look, I recognise the reality from grassroots through to uh, pathway stuff with parents. And then on, even when... athletes go on to be adults i still think there's a significant piece of work to be done with parents at that point that all organizations are trying their best to do all the work that they can uh, often with limited resources and limited people and so the biggest challenge for coaches, I think, is that I, I have yet to meet a coach who genuinely doesn't think the parent um, is an important part of the tapestry. But trying to put that important piece of the tapestry into organisations that are trying to do great stuff, often doing great stuff and are stretched is, is really, really difficult. So I would say the first place you've got to start is listening. You, you, you've you got to just take those opportunities. And now as we're all in shutdown um, That's obviously giving us massive amounts of challenge, isn't it? But the one thing that we probably have is a little bit of extra time in the evenings just to pick up the phone and just have some conversations with some of the parents of some of the kids and young people in our organisations. Get to listen to the stories, get to hear what's going on, because that will give you greater empathy and a better understanding of how your organisation can connect with parents as and when we return.
1: Brilliant Richard, thank you. Gordon, if um, I mean I've heard both of you present and speak um, on a number of occasions, and I am delighted to have you today to pick on an, and loads of different areas. It, was there a time, Gordon, in in your journey that you that you thought maybe you were doing a good job as, as being the parent or being the coach, and then there was a moment where you thought, "Gosh, I need to change this." What was that pivotal moment for you that got you immersed in this role that you're in now?
0: Yeah, well, bizarrely, I think the pivotal moment for me came actually when i had my own children um i think i was very much of that generation going back you know 15 20 years ago very results driven in coaching whatever level we were working at you know whether that be adults or in the under 18 game or you know as i've worked my way i guess through the age groups as a coach but it was just that awareness of turning up standing watching my own children hearing a lot of the things that parents were talking about on the side the pressures that they faced um the reality of it all and and how it actually feels to be a parent and just that greater awareness i guess of you know what was actually going on while i was on the field thinking i was doing a really good job and i, I think from that moment on their sporting journey I obviously started the piece of work that, that we're doing now, which, which ultimately recognises that everybody's got a key role to play and everybody's probably got to shift a little bit in order to work better together.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Richard, I've I've uh, spoke to you before about the, the conversation piece, the conversations and the key part. And one of the things I'd like you to unpick for us here today or share your, your thoughts around, um, and, and Gordon's mentioned it there, and communication. The the parent athlete relationship or parent child relationship exists. What's the different when a difference when it comes into the sporting space around the questions they ask or don't ask?
2: Um, to be honest with you, I've yet to be con- convinced. There's a huge amount of difference between um sport or music or drama, except I think that in the sports space as parents we we have the opportunity to see an awful lot more of it. So you know I've got kids who go to drama clubs or, or play in bands, etc. But I, I tend to just see the the final product of, of their hard work and labour um r- uh, rather than you know the week in, week out of training and seeing that that consistent development. So I think um whilst the questions that um or or the tone of the relationship, I think is the same for music drama um schoolwork I think it's recognizing the intensity that sport brings and also recognizing um, no disrespect to any mathematicians here whatsoever but but maths doesn't do anything for us nationally as kind of in the national psyche obviously we need maths as a national body before UK coaching getting trouble for saying that we don't want maths but what I mean by that is you know we're all really hungry for sport to get back um we're all really hungry because sport does something really unique to the, the human psyche uh, it's a great form of escape and so the the real challenge for parents and and you alluded to brilliantly in in your opening bit there is to separate my love of sport from my love of my child and um and them then taking part in sport and that's the real challenge for parents and so for me my advice is is right from a young age that the children have got to lead the conversations and you know in my house I've got three three kids who all take part in different levels of sport my eldest son is 15 he wants a bit more feedback he gets that dad gets to hang out with some good coaches so he's he's interested there's good dialogue my 10 my year old gymnast just thinks I'm asking her questions for, for to do some research for my next book on questions that kids can ask so she doesn't want me to talk to her at all about gymnastics after it even in shutdown now that I'm her surrogate gymnastics coach at home so, so I think for me is letting the kid lead that and yeah that's painful of course I want to talk to my youngest about gym but it's her club and I want to let her lead that
1: awesome Richard um, and I, I'm, I'm smiling here because I can resonate, even if it's years ago, with some of those conversations. I come in the door, and you know, my mom definitely had a certain role. Dad, as a more sporty parent, had a role. And you know, it was, did you win? <laughs> you know, the identity. Like, <laughs> it is actually my worth as an individual connected to the outcome of that result. And then I tend to go, "Oh, I didn't score this much, but I made some good passes. Is that are we okay with that?" But there are And I
2: and I think I think parents are. In shutdown, we've got this real challenge that um, you know our kids are doing schoolwork, and normally it's teachers who are kind of overseeing the grades they get in each lessons and things like that. And and you know, as a dad, I've often said the the kind of biggest ugliest questions you can ask ask of a sports fixture did you win did you score were you player of the match but now i'm finding with the maths and the foreign language i'm going oh i saw you had a test how did you get on you know and it's like it just slips out whoa what am i doing because i'm here and i'm involved so it's very very easily done
1: yeah i mean we're only human aren't we and we have a load <laughs> of passion towards whatever i presume sport or children would go into and as a coach that you want to connect but um I think it's uh, Gordon there it was a story you told also before around um a question I think your son was heading off to a trip in um a trip in Germany to play football and he came back talking about the hair gel
0: yeah I, I, I I'll share this story because I think it's fascinating because for me one of the key questions that that parents need to ask their children is to understand why they're playing if we understand why they're playing and that answer will change over the years at different times it allows us to um best support but i I must tell this story jenny because i think a few people will chuckle so my son went off to germany it was a parent free event we weren't allowed to go Uh, i was sort of slightly nervous and worked up never been abroad before without without parents felt sick as we would dropping him off and trusting him with with coaches and a club and off he went to Germany for the weekend and it was really cool playing Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, all the big teams and all I wanted to know about was the football because how cool was that? How good were Bayern Munich? How good were Borussia Dortmund? So we got back on Monday after the weekend and we we're obviously thrilled to see him and he sat in the car and I said, "Oh, you know, Archie, how was, how was your weekend? And I was expecting him to start telling me about football and he said, Dad, he said, the hotel was beautiful he said, it was a novatel, I think we should go and stay in one of those. So I let it go, Jenny. And then the day I asked him again, I said, you know, so what else was good, Archie? And he said, Dad, he said, the sausages were great. So I had this chat about, you know, Germans being famous for sausages, Spanish paella, Italian pasta. And then third question, I said, oh, come on, Archie, anything else that was good about the trip? And he goes, yeah, the hair gel that I use is absolute muck. And I said, how do you know that, Archie? And he said, well... My roommate's mum's a hairdresser, and he's got far better stuff than me. And about twenty, minutes, and and about twenty minutes into the journey, I'm like, actually, will you just tell me how good Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund were, because I had to know. But my point was, I, I think that that type of conversation highlights sometimes what we think is important as a parent and a coach, and what what the child thinks is important
1: yeah it's a great one. I love the stories from both of you and i am gonna take those and kind of move in a direction of of examples so from your depth of experience and passion for insight into this area, Richard, if I could come to you first, understanding the coaches can be great communicators and connectivity pieces in this utopian triad of open dynamic relationships, what really good examples have you come across?
2: yeah well, I think um uh uh, several that, that kind of spring to mind i think coaches that are asking putting out questionnaires regularly to parents that they are that they're able to to listen to um the answers uh i'm not a big fan of anonymous questionnaires but i recognize in the power dynamics particularly in pathways there's a huge amount of power dynamic there and creating anonymous questionnaires uh so that parents can have the safe space to share how they're feeling and how they're finding that is really really important i've loved being involved Uh, with some of our England Under-18 teams and uh, we've got the kids to write the parents a thank you card for what they've done in their sports journey Uh, which when we first did that I thought uh, I'm sure they've had loads but we just we had loads of tears from from the parents because that the coaches arranged something that the kids have never actually done they never actually sat down and written to their um, written to their children and and said thank you Uh, sorry written to their parents and said thank you for the incredible work they've been involved in um, I think for me uh, when parent, when communication from coaches to parents is good, it's, it's quite narrow, it's really focused and it's really focused on two or three areas where the coaches and the parents can complement one another to get better outcomes there won't be a parent in this room right now who hasn't got 25 things that we all need to be working on as parents, that's just because parenting is complex and bringing up children is complex and, and often parent engagement is really, really broad so I think if we can just think of two or three three ways in which our sporting environment can support what parents are already trying to do with their kids and and ways which would also support our parent environment and just focus on those two or three and and accept that there are going to be other bits of parent behavior that aren't going to be that hot but in our environment we're really narrowly focused on two or three because the reality is you're not going to change huge chunks of parent behavior on lots of different topics so focus your your aims and your goals down really narrowly.
1: Have you seen that? Thank you, Richard. Have you seen that done through a certain platform that's worked?
2: Um, well, I think, I think people use loads of different platforms, haven't they? I mean, I think um, that's one of the challenges of parent engagement. It needs to be really bespoke to your environment. Um, I've, I've just done some stuff for a football team in, uh, sorry, a soccer team in America. And one of their big things was that their parents never applaud the opposition. So we've just done a piece of, and they want respect to be at the heart of their club. So we've just done a, a piece of work around doing a video course and an online platform that's really around kind of nurturing that respect values and also respecting the opposition. Um, So that's kind of one way of doing it. Um, I've seen uh, premiership field clubs are sure we all saw the amazing letter that kind of Man United sent out to their players recently. But what that letter communicated to the parents about their key values was really, really important and really clever piece of work uh, by Man United at that point. Uh, England Hockey um, have a day uh, during their trials for their developmental program. They have a whole day for parents, so parents get three kind of lectures uh, on one day from three really good different sorts of input, so that so that those people. Um, so that parents go away with it from a really information rich environment to support them. So I think there are as many good, good examples as there is a tapestry of what's going on. I think that's my key message to coaches. Make it bespoke, make make it bespoke to your sport, your parents and what's going on for you.
1: Awesome Richard. Um, Gordon, on the back of that, any practical examples that you've seen? I know Richard's listed a great few there. Anything extra that we'd add to that list for for our um our listeners today.
0: I just think the opportunity uh, to involve parents and give that, them that feeling of having a voice. And, you know, I was talking to um, Kev Mannion at Gloucester Rugby last week, uh, uh, and they've got a really good programme around parents. And, you know, even going as far as, and that's a pathway, bear in mind, even as far as getting parents in. Um, to do cooking demonstrations with the children recognizing that it's all very well having these uh, amazing nutritional booklets but if nobody can actually cook them in the first place it's going to be very difficult and actually that understanding that if we bring the sort of children into the process and they do the shopping and they do the cooking and everybody's in it together and everybody's sharing ideas i just think is a uh, It's a great avenue for everybody to build that that trust and connection, which, which we're all striving for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think there's before I flip it to maybe the the coach angle, um, there's you mentioned a couple of really interesting things of it being a program, normalizing that connectivity, normalizing the voice without it becoming, you know, uh, or it could be co-collaboration, co-creation of sessions in some aspects instead of being them and us I have heard experiences of coaches saying, come on in, have a look at the session we're doing. Um some people send feedback in different sports out in in whatsapp if that's a platform or Dropbox to say this is a session. this is the kind of chat I had with your um your your child after the session um you know feel free to ring, but I know that's again not you know, if you've got a massive if it's an invasion sport and you've got a big team, it might not be the option, but over a certain period of time, I think getting your head around it becoming a normalized situation and that relationship isn't a very, you know isn't it them and us. Um I think when I was thinking about the coach side, do you think, and I can open it to either of you, do you think that coaches are are on their journey, whether it is a former linear path that they take for qualification, do you think they're ready to embrace that when they go into the coaching world, ready to have those conversations from your um, experience? Well,
0: no, I'm not no, I'm not, not necessarily convinced they are, Jenny, at the beginning. Uh, I've been fortunate to go into a few universities to talk to sports coaching students. I think it's a very difficult skill for young coaches. I know they're expected to communicate because they've got to coach, but to you think about the going onto a field, perhaps with 10 sets of parents, some grizzly warriors on the side stood watching, expecting certain things uh, for their children. And we haven't really given them the skills in, in coach ed to, maybe look at some things around the sort of conflict resolution, how best to communicate, how at times to buy time, give them a few strategies to, to actually work with, with it, which at least gives them a, which gives them a starting point. And I think it certainly becomes easier to do this piece with a little bit more experience and a little bit more awareness about, about the world. So no, I think it's a, a a majorly missing piece and, you know, our, our coaching book and resources around this and obviously the new one to follow is is really important
1: yeah absolutely richard how closely linked do you think the um i mentioned you mentioned social and power dynamics earlier on that kind of uh sense that you're giving your child over in a session to somebody for them to support the fulfillment of their dreams how much do you think that plays a part in the parents mind going through that
2: I think I think one of the, the massive caricatures of parents is, is that they um, they want to see their kids all play for England or whatever country you represent. And I think um, uh, my experience of talking to parents is that, that just... And the little bits of research we've done, that just isn't completely true. Um, and, and also people parents are capable of holding multiple um, aims and goals in their heads. I, I think that um, when we talk to kids, uh, sorry, when we talk to parents, we see that parents want to make sure their kids are in a happy and safe environment, just like when they go to school or they go to different sorts of clubs. And there may be an element of I want to see them get x y and z as far as they can i find sometimes the challenges of um the, the institutions ramp up the opportunities more so uh, my son's in a local grassroots rugby club and when it came for their opportunity to go for trials for their local rugby academy it was the club who made so much about it that it just put parents kind of on edge about suddenly fulfilling uh fulfilling this dream for me i think parents want to see competent looking coaches and and i totally agree i think that we don't equip people well enough to have good conversations and challenging conversations uh which is kind of linking back into your your last question isn't it and i think if you can smile at parents show them that you've got a safeguarding policy let them know what your your coaching model is and why it's like that let them know what selections around because i think selection is one of the things that parents most struggle with is if kids get dropped or whatever and they don't understand that process makes people feel very vulnerable um, and and then listen to what why those parents have brought their kids along to that club and yeah maybe there's a small dream of playing for England but other things is they want them to have mates they want them to have a good time they want to see them fit in uh, they want it they want sports club to be different to school loads of kids have a struggle at school and and sports clubs offer them such relief for that if you're listening to that story then you can be promoting your club around that story that you're hearing from parents and and majorly playing on that and I think that diminishes the whole expectation challenge
1: yeah there's 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 definitely is i think you know sometimes we deal with this this um this triad if i can uh, with one one pocket we're we're looking at parents and the issues and barriers on one side and actually sometimes it's flipped to the all the eyes are on the coach and in their in their bubble of that space could be very outcome orientated and pressured from that uh, you know system that they're in and um, it's only a tiny part of the bigger experience You know, it's it's they coming away. We know what the research says around fun. Um, You know, there's one piece of research that has listed 70 or 80 pieces of fun. This is what fun means for this, this and this. And um, I think it's tuning in both as a parent and a coach to what fun means for that particular individual, isn't it? Um, If I was to move it slightly towards, um, I guess, the the tricky parent, as as we might label it momentarily till we dive into it. In your experience, Gordon and, and Richard, um what kind of mechanisms or support has been in place if there hasn't been a great foundation and then this parent comes in and there is an association of you know this is you know too serious too quick but i want my child to get from a to b not my child wants to get from a to b what kind of things can you uh, kind of share with us that have been useful that you've picked up along the way
0: Uh, well look i i i believe that that for me coaches are merely gatekeepers of a wider picture a wider culture and i feel that um coaches need support from seniority they need support from an organization and actually it's the organizational piece for me that that helps support coaches because when we have some of those tricky moments some of those things going on we need to be able to a bit like in school and education we need to be able to refer back to what we are actually trying to achieve and actually some of the consistency of our messaging you know can be really really difficult because like let's let's say for example you know coaches say you know at this club we're all about development or my groups all about development and then you know that's fine coach does it really well groups working really well and then on the pitch next to them you've got another coach who's not looking at it development and is all about winning and making all the changes and you've you've got a totally different thing going on next to it and i think That creates confusion. I think parents want to feel that messages are really clear and that they're consistent and that everybody's buying into it. And I think that if some of those things are done proactively, which we'll talk about later, the importance of being proactive in your communication, I think then parents start to perhaps conform or buy into the culture that that they find when they arrive so i think there's a piece around that that, that that's equally as important before we even get to the to the tricky bit. Uh,
1: thanks for that gordon anything to add there richard around that topic of...
2: well i think um look i think we have to accept it's going to be a coach's experience to have to, to have a complex conversation with a parent around expectations and that's not easy. And uh, and Gordon's right, you know, it doesn't help if the coaches next door are coaching the way the parent wants to, but the reality is that coach is still gonna have that conversation. And even if everybody gets their ducks in a row, there's still gonna be moments where coaches are gonna to have to have difficult bits of conversation. And so for me, I think we, we could do a, a lot better at supporting coaches in having difficult conversations and uh, being able to hear people Um, a lot more. Uh, If you're a coach in here you will have had that challenging conversation but the reality is some people see this whole process really really differently you know i've had this incredible privilege of working with national under 18 sides and having different conversations with different parents one parent going how do i make sure he definitely makes into the senior side and another parent going i'm really worried he's going to give up his medical degree how do i make sure that th- this sport doesn't interrupt his medical degree you know you've got two different parents with two different uh, total different aims and objectives look i i live even working because I do two jobs and my second job in quite a deprived community where where lots of parents don't have any aspirations for their kids um so so you know it's I think parents having aspirations is not the problem parents having a very clear idea is not the problem I think the challenge is being able to say to those parents that we don't agree um or we don't necessarily see eye to eye it is a parent's right to want to bring to be able to bring up their kid dreaming that they're going to play for Aston Villa or whoever you happen to support even if we don't agree with it that's not an abusive well I don't know maybe Aston Villa is an abusive dream but you know it's not an it's not an abusive dream to want to do that the challenge is that in a sporting institution we're never going to get everyone on the same page and I love the story of the GB women um hockey players you know gold medalists last time round um Uh, they recognised that not everyone was on the same page. And so actually they had a team process as a group that meant that they were able to carry forward um, as a united group, but recognising some people wanted to do loads of social media stuff. Some people wanted to stay quiet. Some people wanted to be the next known face in journalism and things like that out of this. Other people wanted to go into teaching at school. and So people came with all sorts of, they wanted to win gold, but they also came with different levels of expectations. They had some really healthy conversations about how to park that. And so for me, um, we need to be trying to help parents have that, but recognising we're just not all going to see eye to eye on this stuff, and um, so we need to equip coaches to have how to have those conversations when parents don't see eye to eye with them.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And um, there's a lot of stuff after coming through in the chat box there, and some of some of the ideas we'll do in the wrap up later, but just to pick a couple: um, getting parents to observe a session with having a question kind of planted to support them, because there's a big difference, isn't there, about all the whats that we have and then bridging that gap to the how. And then the follow-up part of that. Um, there's a an, another nice statement in there. Like if there's a, a an ego or a confidence issue, even if it is a facade, how do we break that down and be aware of it? Um, another one from um, early earlier on. Um, the, the the process of the pathway. If it is if it is a pathway journey that your child is going on or the athletes are going on, explaining what that looks like, a key word even from my own coaching experience, as soon as I kind of identified things that unsettled me at international level, it was transparency. It was transparency from a financial point of view, from the messaging, how much or how little kind of you needed to know um, or the parents wanted to know, um, and then finding that happy medium. So we're just coming up to the halfway mark and you say the halfway- okay, so I would
2: I, I would just say I think that's really really insightful and I think that's the challenge is working out where in this season is there going to be pressure points for parents where is going to cause parents so if you've got kids I don't know who are in year 6 well that no one's in school at the moment, are they but oh no year 6 potentially could be now but um you, you know they're coming up to sats so if you're a cricket club and you're planning loads of stuff around sats so you you're just not you're not seeing this from the wider perspective you're not giving it a chance England hockey um were meant to be going on tour to Russia in March. I'm assuming it didn't happen. But because of the way the system worked, they couldn't give the parents any more than like three weeks' notice that their kids have been selected. But they were really honest with the parents about that six months beforehand, going, We know this is rubbish. It's out of our hands. It's the way the international people work this. But we're so this is how you should prep yourself for if you do or don't make it. And I thought it was a brilliant piece of integrity, like you just said, an honest piece of communication. If we leave it till three weeks before, this is going to really wind a lot of people up. So let's have some common sense. Let's reduce the conflict by just doing some good comms and good honesty earlier on
1: yeah absolutely i think goes back to our earlier point of human underneath the label <laughs> you know um so you coming into the halfway there's two questions that i've pulled from the chat box but i'm sure as as you speak i'll gather gather a few more um we're in the world of unfortunately fortunately i think there's definitely been some positives i've taken the the face to face world um, and then we have the tag of the keyboard warrior so what's my skills of all the different platforms to connect have been really effective um what are your thoughts around the face-to-face meeting the email um meeting or kind of communication path the virtual platform any experiences positive or negative on those
0: yeah oh yeah absolutely and, and i think this is when we're talking about a really good communication policy jenny i think we've got to really think about uh, the type of information the timing of it and how we are going to communicate it because some things are absolutely fine in groups and text messages things like logistics and and other bits and pieces like that absolutely fine not an issue um crucial conversations things that have a major impact on a, a particular individual um where possible we really should be trying to do it face to face i just think that so much and we'll have all been there where we receive emails or send email messages or things that are in text and we totally get the wrong end of the stick in so much that they're not able to convey that 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 human feeling. So I think we've got to think as a, a wider piece of, of as coaches that sometimes certain types of media are going to play. Um, other times we are going to have to do face to face. But we also know, and I'm sure there'll be lots of coaches who will agree with me with this is, Sometimes we dread the thought as coaches that we're busy, we're doing our best with the coaching, that we are going to get stopped by little Johnny's mum and little Johnny's mum's then going to talk to us for the next hour. And, And so what I would say is you've got to make yourself open and approachable at some point. But try and do it on your terms. Think about how you're going to do that. Are you going to make yourself available um, and acknowledge every parent on your way off to say thank you off the training thing and say thanks for bringing them? Are you going to make yourself available for a small slot in a week where you can have those conversations and you know coaches get so upset when they're watching pole dark on a sunday night and parents start ringing them and and i think we've just got to be proactive in in how we set that up and how we communicate that to start with
1: yeah absolutely brilliant uh, gordon and earlier on you alluded to that richard as well the system and the organisation being a kind of support mechanism
2: I, th- I think as well look people are people um, and so people will ring in the middle of pole dark i mean that's just that, that, I'm sorry, you're not going to do. There is no parent engagement strategy in the world that is going to stop someone having two glasses of Prosecco and think, I really want to know why my son was dropped. And so I think you have to protect the, the human first, and that's you. So, I you know, I have two phones. And, and so, I, I you know, I heard of a coach who, who dropped a player, did the whole face-to-face thing, and then the dad saw him at a premiership foot rugby match that evening and then rang him on the way home, half-cut. You, you know, and it's just like, but my response was, mate, why don't you phone on? So, so my response to any coach who says they've been phoned during pulled up would be, wh- why not just get yourselves, look, Argos or any other store, you can get a 20-quid mobile phone. With Gifgaf, you can kind of have a pay-as-you-go thing. You can put WhatsApp on there, and your personal phone and email should never come into it. I am astounded at how few coaches have quality personal barriers around that stuff. You know, I don't use my work phone at all on my day off and it's just it's just a really simple way to protect yourself because you will get those phone calls and and, and parents sadly won't see it and that's a shame so protect yourself don't use your own personal email address don't use your personal mobile number I mean our oh i'm in so many parents groups on flipping whatsapp because my kids are in stuff i mean they're all muted on mine if i was the coaches i'd be going mad i'm hoping that those coaches that isn't their personal mobile number and that they can turn it off on watch folder and they can turn it on at a time when it's good for them and they can answer the comments on email and things like that there so they protect themselves first because you know it's just nobody is ever going to you know answer emails my i wrote to my mp last week might be able to guess about what, and and um, and they emailed me back at like 7:30 on a Sunday morning. A lovely email, I must say. But I was like, wow. Now they didn't, they didn't know whether 7:30 on a Sunday morning was a really triggering time for me or not. But my email's not on my phone, so I didn't get it. I took my phone on later late that day, ready to look at emails.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think to tie this together and drive on because there's so much information coming in, we have, I don't know if Lisa can connect in with this. We have Lisa Jomo who's going to give us a parent angle. Um, Lisa, I would say originally is coming from a, a rugby background, Lisa if I may, but um, we've had a number of conversations. I'm so excited to have you here today. You can hear the richness that Richard and Gordon have brought. Um, I'm trying to stir up some conversations based on all the different questions that I hear and, and receive. So. Uh, Give us a little bit of a snapshot of your experience and then I'll come in with some questions. And please, Richard and
3: Gordon, do jump in with questions at any time as well. Yeah, so um, I've got Max who um, is 20 this year um, in September, and he's gone through the rugby process, you know, right from being age three all the way up through um, club and school and academy and county and um, obviously uh, England now. Um, But I've also got an 11 year old, 12 year old girl Ava, who's coming up through the route as well, but in different discipline in, in hockey and, and netball and, and cricket, in fact. So um, my my husband, I was just about to say my ex-husband. He's not my ex-husband. My husband <laughs> is an ex-rugby international. If hear spot. that. Yeah. Freudian slip. Um, yes. Yeah, so, you know, and I'm a business uh, coach, so a performance coach, but from a business perspective. So, you know, I have taken myself out a lot of the Coaching rugby conversations because obviously that's my husband's forte. But then I see him doing certain things and I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. That's not good coaching because he's only focusing on Max the whole game. You know, he's not looking at everything else and he's very critical. And he's an ex rugby player himself, although 20 years after the game has changed a lot. Um, but everything that you've been talking about absolutely resonates with me in terms of communication. Um, so I've picked out some certain things that I've just wanted to reinforce in terms of from a parent's perspective um, how this could make our lives easier make your lives easier make the kids lives easier as well in terms of you know just basic things and I think really key in this is we all know what best practice is we know that good communication and you know regular cadence and frequency and preferably face to face, etc. But we're all working in really time pressured reactive environments. We've all got our own stuff going on as well. So I think, you know, it's about what you said at the very beginning, It might have been Richard actually, to take two or three things that you're going to do differently, just to make, you know, the whole process that much more enjoyable for everybody.
1: Thank you so much. Great intro, Lisa. Um, if I could hone in on, say, the qualities that you've seen in coaches or even communities, clubs, any uh, you can pick anything that you thought, you know, I really feel valued as a parent in this position. I really feel like my input can
3: be heard where needed, you know, if that role is a co-creation role or whatever. Yeah. Um, Max signed to uh, Bath a couple of years ago, um, a senior academy contract, and they have really got their process in place in terms of We've got a regular cadence and frequency of a forum where we, our voice can be heard if, if it's needed. Um, they, we have a great app so that, you know, logistics and um, as Gordon was saying earlier, absolutely all the logistical stuff, all the factual stuff, all the objective stuff can be done via an app or via email. Um, But actually, it's all of the emotional subjective stuff that needs to be done face to face. Or you miss the intonation or you miss the meaning behind. You miss all of the physiological responses to each other, which is why now when everybody's, you know, on Zoom and on Skype, et cetera, makes it so much easier. Um, You know, they've been very proactive. And I have to say, England has been the same. And obviously, that's where I've met Richard as well. Um, They've been really proactive as opposed to reactive. So immediately that puts you in a much better position of control. You know, um, you're managing the parents' expectations um, on a regular basis. So what they'll do is rather than grab you and, you know, little Johnny's mum I just picked up before in the car park. Rather than doing that, they will hopefully or there'll be a vast majority who will keep hold of their questions for those particular sessions. So, you know, it just means that you're in more control. They know that they've got um, some valuable time for me because you fit them in. And I appreciate, you know, there's lots of coaches out there who are doing all of this on their own time as well which is something else that as parents, I think we need to take into account, you know, they're giving up their weekends and evenings, et cetera. However, um, you are still putting yourself in that position. So therefore it's gonna happen. So I think it's managing your own expectations. So I've written down here, you know, if you've got a, um, or you're encouraging a um, regular cadence and frequency of communication, what you've got a forum, you've got an open door policy, but you've got boundaries. As Richard said, you know, I'm not definitely not going to call you in the middle of dark, but I know people who will, um, you know, and it be proactive, uh, manage expectations, use different, you know, questionnaires. Um, we had other ideas as well in terms of face to faces, um, mix up a bit, but I do also agree with the fact that I think we need to equip our coaches with a really simple framework in, um, handling, maybe challenging conversations. You know how do you you know make something really objective when it's highly emotive when it involves that parent and that parent's child yeah,
1: so, yeah. there um, was there was something you touched on there lisa that i'd like to dive in if, if you don't mind it's um friend of mine and I had a conversation and actually, I think on the UK coaching, we did a connected learning piece with parents and it was around um, parents' perception of coaches and then how that influences behaviours. Um, Callum Morgan did some research on this and the interesting part of the conversation was where they, or the, the results, if you like, where the perception was that the, the coach was a volunteer in a volunteer capacity, that they... Um, the parent then felt like they could contribute or should contribute more have you have you noticed as both uh, originally max maybe in the rugby space um, yeah. that you know that there tends to be that
3: yeah maybe i just think that it's highly emotive i mean i see you know i've seen my husband as a coach you know get banned by the ref from the field because he's been on there trying to like, you know, and I'm like, come on, surely we know these things Are we not trying to lead by example here. So I think, you know, it happens everywhere at all levels. So I think that, um, again, it's something that we just need to be self-aware of and, and try and deliver consciously competent things, you know, in terms of behaviors, et cetera um but also not beat ourselves up if we do end up having a conversation that probably didn't go as you know as well as we may have liked it to have gone you know as a coach um so if, I,
1: if you are in a position then where things haven't gone uh, ideally on or off the pitch is there a difference in how you and Steve then will manage that conversation around sport um or try and find that balance as you mentioned earlier
3: with the athlete or the coach
1: with your with your
3: own kids if there is a yeah. scenario where there is it, it's a real tricky one because like I said I tend to step back a bit although I'm really competitive um you know pre-children and although I wasn't national I was jack of all trades so therefore you know <laughs> Max just thinks that you know quite regularly I'll go to have a conversation with him um, because it's coming from his mum you know um, it doesn't carry as much, I don't think, especially in the technical rugby world as maybe from his dad or from somebody else. So for me, this is all about you know, the coaches and, and making sure this is sold to the athlete as well, uh, especially when agents and things start becoming involved in. We are part of a wider virtual team. You know, We are all there to facilitate your success, whatever that vision looks like. Max never really had a great vision of playing for England. He just wanted to play for Bath. And England was always cherry on the top. That completely went against my husband's view that oh, and one day when we were away on holiday, he actually declined England because he'd already accepted a you know a, a, a second squad game for Bath. And we came home and I was like, okay, so the decision's been made. Brilliant, let's support him. Ode was going mental in the background. You don't you know decline your 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 country. So you know I think it's about being aware of, especially if you're in a in a, a parent couple or maybe there's four of you I don't know um and you're all having an influence I think you've got to ascertain quite quickly that you are part of the wider virtual team and the athlete you know and offering advice should be pulling um all sorts of advice and then making their own decision and and parents need to be coaching that and it has to come from the athlete so you know it's a huge influence having having the coach's opinion on there as well
2: Lisa did you did you as a mum I mean you know your husband obviously has Or ex husband, depending on what happens in the next half an hour. (laughs) Your your husband obviously has a a formidable reputation in the sport. Did did you find coaches took you as seriously as mum? Did you find. Absolutely
3: not. No, absolutely not. A, I'm not an ex international, and B, I'm a chick. So, you know, I hate to say it, but there is that unconscious bias there, and I see it in business and I see it in sports.
2: And and isn't Um, that such a great shame? Because Max, it sounds like, needed your ear after that game more than the. The yeah. state and whatever and, and actually the research some great research that Camilla Knight who's probably the foremost expert globally on this kind of stuff has done on Wellington Festival which uh, you know max would been to yeah. found The the boys didn't really want to talk to mum as much about technical stuff, but I think people saw that as a deficit, whereas actually I see that as an opportunity because it creates a more tapestry in the network for mum to have different conversations with player. How's that been for
1: you?
3: That's exactly it. Yeah, I have a different conversation with Max. He knows I'm a um, a performance coach, but in business. So I have to say that as he's getting older and more mature, he's more inclined to come to me with the less technical, but, but, you know... (laughs) trying to find your way in the world especially when you're an under 18 under 20 coming into this type of environment there's all sorts of things to consider outside of technical expertise when it comes to rugby skills so you know him um playing for bath university okay and being taken straight into the first team because he he's he's signed to bath how many boys did that piss off at bath university you know and i made sure that i'd had the conversation with him excuse my language by the way um I had that conversation in terms of you need to apply a lot of emotional intelligence here because you're trying to forge this great team and um you know leadership etc and then you're coming in and potentially walking on somebody's toes so you know you've got to work out how you're going to play this which isn't a conversation that oge would have had him by any with him by any stretch of the imagination so we definitely have you know different parts to play in the development of our of our first athlete um as we do with our second athlete you know Oach is really really um, got to grips with netball because he knows how much effort he's put into um, uh, uh, Max's career. Um, and, you know, and sometimes I'll I'll come home and I'll find them watching, you know, uh, netball on TV. And he's learned all the um, the rules, etc. Because he really feels like he needs to. And you know, I suppose I've now got the advantage because I'm more technical on netball and hockey. Um, and you know, Ava's more inclined to come and ask me things about um, her sports. So you know, it's a it's a juggle. That's a really interesting <laughs> point. yeah there's
1: uh, there's a bit of research that we have anna pankhurst did it on and it's on our, our website And one of the questions that she poses in that um to, to frame the results is how many times do we ask as a coach do we ask and seek to understand the parents experience in that sport and you've you've hit it there where steve might say you know what i don't know the rules so i'm going to a sport i'm not going to become an official yet <laughs> or, or you kind of you know itching to know more about it but it's true maybe through the experience that your child is having to understand what that looks like. Um, thank you Lisa, really insightful, good question Richard. Uh, I'll just pack up, I'll drop my pen and paper here now and just remove myself, no I'm joking. Um, so uh, Gordon if I could rope you back in, we're coming, gosh the time is, has just gone so fast. Um, I'll open it to three of you and we can kind of look at wrapping up some of the key points. Um, How can we encourage parents to be part of the team? Now, I know we've, there's loads of different examples, but if we, if we could narrow it down to one each, what would you say to, to let the people who are signed in today kind of have a, um, a takeaway on that question to start us?
0: Yeah, I think we need to give them an opportunity to have a voice in the process, whether that's, in face-to-face meetings or whether that is um, via questionnaires and the feedback. One thing I would say on this however Jenny, I think having spoken to lots of people as well, there's still, we get carried away sometimes with, with giving out lots of voices and getting lots of feedback and everybody being part of it which is right but there are some things in in sport which do need to be mandated to parents i'm thinking about certain things like anti-doping and some of the other things where actually you know this isn't a discussion really this this needs to happen and likewise there are opportunities where we can bring them in so i would have a think about some of the things that just aren't really movable that you need to let them know and then give them the opportunity to have a voice on some of the other things
1: Oh, awesome, absolutely, um, Lisa. From your point of view um, and a, a parent primarily on this, how can we encourage parents to be part of the team?
3: Um, just following on what, what from Gordon has said in terms of giving them a, a voice, I would say look at the season ahead of you, you know, and put in a regular cadence and frequency because that way you're managing your not just your coaching your team, but you're managing the parents' expectations as well, and you can set it up right at the beginning of the season in terms of them knowing when they've got a voice and when they can come and see and what the boundaries are Um, and also you know some sessions may include you and your athlete or it might just be the parents because that's the type of conversation but um, I think if you can be proactive about it then you're much more likely to manage expectations and actually keep a little bit more control of everything
0: Lisa, just can I just jump in there because I just heard something that I think is amazing and really important here. I think Richard will agree with this as well, that we've all found the benefit and we've managed to get more information from parents as neutral people when they're being given the voice because they actually share things with us because there isn't a direct threat to maybe their child or ramifications for them. So I think when you are giving them that voice, You've also got to be careful how you manage that situation as well because some maybe won't share how they're feeling with neutral people they they tend to. I don't know how you feel about that, Richard, as well.
2: Yeah, I think think there's um, a multiple of tapestry ways of of connecting with people. In some ways, I'd almost want to reframe the question a bit and be a bit cheeky, actually. I'd, I'd want to say I think coaches need to see that they're on the parents' team. I mean, parents and the family, the family are the team. That is that is the close-knit unit that once or twice a week, or even for you know, my my youngest as I said, is into gymnastics. She does it for 14 hours a week or something ridiculous. You know, she's even doing that via Zoom in the house. I thought we were free of it, but we're not. We're doing it via Zoom. Um uh, but she's still part of my family that the and, and if and if shutdown has taught me anything it's taught me to see the character traits in my children that i have created both positive and negative in a with, in a magnifying glass way and some of the times i'm patting myself on the back as a parent and other times i'm like no um you, you know and so actually i think as cheesy and as utopic it is i think love them love parents and, and, and in the most appropriate way that happens for your organization ask yourself the question if i was a parent rocking up here today would I like this? And I know particularly in the grassroots field, um, it seems to be when people put the coaching hat on, they forget that they're also parents because they live down the club. They just make all these assumptions that everybody knows because they live at the club. But just, look, are we, are, we, are we genuinely loving these parents? Are we giving them the best that we can give with the resources we can give, which isn't perfect? And I don't think parents expect perfect, but I think most people can genuinely tell when a concise parents pack or the cadence that Lisa's just talked about, you can do that. And have a real chip on your shoulder about parents and parents will know that or you can do an okay job through the season but parents get that you are a volunteer you're doing your best and they get that you care for their kids and you you try and give them an ear when you can I reckon if you can keep that human connection going for as long as so it's a little bit utopic but um, but you know I would just say just that genuine affection I mean I've been given parent packs by organizations to read and audit and sometimes they're great uh, and sometimes another organization will give me a parent pack and it contains the same information that the previous one did. Because there isn't really that much difference that we're going to say about stuff, but it's written with a chip on the shoulder. So although the information is correct, it just reads like somebody trying to put a parent in, in a box and contain them and control them. And whilst I agree, there are times, obviously, where parents just need to accept this is how we're doing it. This is the information we're presenting. Love them. And if, you, and if you're doing your best at that, I reckon most of the time you'll get on OK, as long as they don't ring them and pulled up.
1: I mean I need to go and get pulled. Out. This is ridiculous. <laughs> 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 I've <need to>, <laughs> missed, missed out today um, but li- yeah absolutely and, and linking this together I mean we've come to the full time I knew this time would zip by but some of the the key takeaways um, and practical sides of things that I've noted here having the thank you cards, uh, letters, um, questionnaires. Lee has put a great example here Lee Merrick. Um, we're based in Toronto, Canada. We've introduced a bi weekly parent learning platform um, to share. So, learning coming in and, qu- and share quickly, following behind us, share updates and ensure communication on a two way is transparent. And, you know, having that platform, whatever we've mentioned it a number of times, whatever happens underneath the label of parent and coach, there's humans there willing to connect and wanting the best for the person that's in front. And absolutely change the, the order of that question around Richard. But when, when the intro slide was coming up, I was like, Coach, athlete, parent, athlete, parent, coach, parent, athlete, coach. Before we even started the conversation, um, so uh, yeah, like there is two or uh, finding two or three different ways to connect the, the richness in in questions. And I I was going to ask you there, but I think we've we've alluded and redirected. You know, what questions would you add in, in or remove? But it is about that connection, full stop. So questions or no questions and awareness of why your child is doing what they're doing, why the athletes are doing what they're doing and how we can work together in that um, network to just really solidify that and and support them on their journey. Um, So we do have uh, there was a number of different questions that popped up. I did say we do have another kind of latter part of the week. We have the. the communities of practice that we have. So people today have picked up different things around the what, but don't know, maybe how to digest them or contextualize them into the how, no problem. We have two sessions. The Connected Coaches um, on UK Coaching already up and running. So you have some questions in there. We have a heap of different resources um, on our website that are podcasts, uh, opinion polls, researches, all to build a toolkit and support some of the great stuff that we've heard here today. Um, I would love to say, and, and we have a couple of different um, slides to go forward with, but at this moment with the amount of information that's come in, thank you Lisa, thank you Richard and thank you Gordon for for sharing years and years of different experience into a small little package with some with some questions that we have there. Um, if I was to, one of the things we have here and it was one thing I've learned, if I was to ask you one thing that you've learned. it was to be in a hashtag where we've got limited amount of characters hopefully everybody today will be already on twitter going oh one thing i've learned today from this but if i was to ask for me richard lisa and gordon to close us off today one thing you've learned on your journey so far
2: i'll start um i suppose the biggest biggest thing i've learned is that my journey isn't everybody else's it's that self-awareness piece that that i'm i have a set of context set of experiences Uh, my sport experience with my parents uh, was on the whole positive, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So that isn't everybody else's. And I, in my early youth work days, I made so many mistakes by assuming that everybody else's life experience tripped along like mine. And just, so, just so when you're meeting parents, don't make any assumptions. Just listen, 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 listen.
1: Gem, absolute gem, Richard. Thank you,
3: Lisa. If you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to try and be always aware that we're we're part of a wider virtual team. You know, we're all adding something to that particular athlete. So the more that we can communicate and do the best and pull in the same direction uh, means that we're going to have a better outcome at the end of it.
1: Absolutely fantastic.
3: And Gordon, if you wouldn't mind, please.
1: Yeah.
0: So key one for me then, Jenny, is make yourself a person. Make sure you're approachable. Be really proactive in your communication and your role modeling, because believe you, me coaches, we definitely set the tone that, that allows parental engagement to thrive. We've got such a key role to play
1: join us at
0: ukcoaching.org whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you